telling the story of your life, uh, there are probably a lot of pictures, a lot of stories that your family tells about you when you were young, uh, a toddler, uh, elementary school, middle school, high school. You know, it's curious in the Bible that uh, there is hardly anything about Jesus. Uh, last week we talked about his birth from uh, when he was two, when he came back from Egypt to uh, up until he was 30, there's hardly anything. There's one, one passage about how he was in the temple with his parents when they'd gone there to, to worship and they forgot him. But that's it. All that time. It's amazing, really. But we pick up the story as we talk about week 23. We pick up talking about the early ministry of Jesus. And his ministry begins with two significant events. First, he is baptized in the Jordan River by his cousin John, John the Baptist. <clears throat> I think that's important. It, it shows the anointing of God. We see in that that he, as he's baptized, a dove comes down to light on him, and a voice from heaven comes, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. I think it's an important witness for us as well. You know, when we turn from being self-centered, self-directed, to being Christ-centered, Christ-focused, we go through a process in the New Testament that tells us about a process of conversion. We understand our sinfulness. We confess that sin. We repent of that sin. We take by faith Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. No longer to be self-focused, self-centered, but we're going to be Christ-focused, Christ-centered. We, after we confess and repent, we call on the name of the Lord to be saved. We're baptized into Christ. And we walk in righteousness. Jesus begins that public ministry of baptism. And then he faces 40 days of temptation. Temptation. What a universal experience that is. A universal quality. Uh, we, we look different. We come from different places. We have different preferences and likes and dislikes. Uh, yet... We all know temptation. We all deal with temptation. Bobby was saving up his quarters and dimes and nickels. He really wanted to save up for a 10-speed. And so he would work and, and try to keep all of his money, and he'd pray to God every night. So he got down on his knees one night and prayed, Oh, Lord, please help me save my money. And Lord, please help the ice cream man not to come down my street tomorrow. This minister had to go to the big city for an appointment. He drove to where his appointment was and tried to find a parking space. He, all the parking lots around there were full. The parking spaces that had meters, he couldn't find anything. So uh, fearing he'd be late for his appointment, he pulled into a no parking spot, no parking zone, and, and he wrote a note and put it under his windshield wiper. It said, I've been circling this block I've circled this block a hundred times, and I haven't been able to find a space, and I'm going to miss my appointment. And then in big letters, he wrote, forgive us our trespasses. And he went into his appointment, came out, and in the note's place was a ticket and another note that said, I've been circling this block for 10 years, and it is my job to give you a ticket. I'll get fired if I don't. And then in big letters, lead us not into temptation. You know, Jesus, as he taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, that is part 
of that model prayer to lead us not into temptation. Now, temptation is something we all have to deal with. And I think it's absolutely crucial that Jesus' public ministry period begins with his baptism and his temptation. The temptation is this, is this kingdom of God, is the ministry of Jesus going to look like that in the world? Is it going to be world-powered? Is it going to be world-centered, or is it going to be different? Is it going to reflect the nature and the character of God? Jesus faced temptation. And as we study his temptations, and then we pull out some takeaways about temptation, I hope they can help us in our battle with temptation. Now listen, temptation is not the same thing as sin. Temptation is a desire, perhaps, to do what God doesn't want us to do. It's an enticement to do what God doesn't want us to do, sin. But it's not actually sin until you give in to that desire, until you give in to that temptation. And here we're talking about this temptation as something we face in our lives. As we look, we see Jesus deal with this temptation. In Jesus' temptation, three things happen. Jesus first was tempted to serve himself. He was tempted to serve himself, verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Right there, I need to say something to you that's counter to our culture. In our culture, we think sometimes that because we are so modern, because we've evolved so much and learned so much as in our human culture and society, sometimes it's popular to think that there is no such thing as the devil. There is no such thing as Satan. And listen, if I were Satan, that would be my number one strategy, is to make everybody think that I wasn't real. But you can't read the Bible and understand that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are real, all of whom operate except for this lifespan, 33 years of Jesus on earth, all of whom operate in what I call the fourth dimension, the world, a dimension where you can't see, it's not tangible to our eyes, it, but it is very real. You can't understand God and Jesus and the Spirit and angels being real without understanding that the Scripture talks over and over of a fallen angel named Lucifer, also called Satan, also called the tempter, and his followers, the demons. We need to believe and understand that the devil is real. The devil is active. And demons are real. They are active. Here, he's tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You think? I understand a human, the average human can go about 60 days without taking in physical nourishment, without eating. Jesus has been 40 days and 40 nights. So yes, sure, he's weak. He's tempted. He's hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God... Tell these stones to become bread and turn these rocks into something you can eat. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. A lot of our temptations are going to be physical. They are going to be to corrupt or pervert the natural desires that we have. Yes, all of our bodies need food. All of our bodies 
need liquid. Uh, but we don't need to overindulge in the food that we eat, overindulge in the kind of liquids that change us into somebody that we're not. You see, it's taking and overdoing it that becomes that temptation unto sin. We are going to face those kinds of physical temptations. And even more, what is going on here is, is basically Satan is saying, if you are God's son, then you can use your powers to make yourself something to eat. You can use your powers to selfishly serve yourself. And that, I'm sure, was a temptation for Jesus. Do you know the book of Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in all ways like we are, yet he sinned not? That is, he resided with God in heaven, but when he became a man, he voluntarily gave up some of his godly powers, and he faced the human temptations that all of us face, one of which would surely have been to take his the powers that he had his unique relationship with god and use it for selfish purposes so can that happen in our lives so perhaps as we develop a reputation as we develop in our schools our careers perhaps we can take shortcuts to benefit ourselves physically to benefit ourselves financially so also we can be tempted to, to seek our own selfish desires. But when we give in to temptation, sin results. And the, re, the result of sin is always the same. It is death. Whether it be spiritual death or more frequently and right away, it's often uh, the death in the way of our health of our bodies, the death of relationships. Sin always brings hurt, it always brings pain, it always brings heartache. Jesus here says, no, I'm not going to use my powers. I'm not going to give in to that temptation to serve myself. Second temptation is this. Jesus was tempted to promote himself. He was tempted to promote himself, verses 5 through 7. Then the devil took him to the holy city, to Jerusalem, and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so they will not strike your foot against the stone. A couple things there. One, what he basically saying to Jesus is, if you are, are so good, if, if you're so close to God, then you, what, the best thing you can do to start your impact, your ministry in the world, is, is go up to this very high place and jump off and have this dramatic rescue and how better would then crowds come to you? How you would draw a big crowd saying how great you were and how special you were. In other words, it is a great promotional opportunity to throw yourself off. And notice how Satan tempts him. Satan actually uses the words of God. He uses scripture as part of his tempting. The Bible says even the demons know the word of God. And they shudder. It's all in how you use it. It's all in how you understand it and comprehend it. And here he's saying, Jesus, promote yourself, the devil is. And Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. 
<clears throat> he refuses. Now listen, this is a word we need to hear in today's world. Our culture is very self-promotional, isn't it? It's very much make a name for yourself. It's very much stand out and have people look at you. In our culture of the selfie and YouTube, isn't it very tempting to want to have people notice you? How smart you are, how good looking you are, how effective you are, or powerful you are, or rich you are. You see, the same kind of temptations come to us today as came to Jesus. Third way Jesus was tempted, he was tempted to elevate himself. He was tempted to elevate himself. Verses 8 through 11, again the devil took him up to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. <clears throat> worship the Lord, uh, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. Elevate yourself. Be on par with God. That's basically what he's saying. That's an age-old temptation. Satan used the same tactic in the Garden of Eden with Adam, first Eve and then Adam. He said, as he came in the form of a serpent, as he tempted Eve with the only fruit of the, the tree of good and evil that could not be tasted, according to God, as he tempted Eve, basically said, you can be at the same place God is. You really don't need to worry about uh, God so much as you can take of this fruit and then you'll know everything that God knows. You, you'll, you'll be on par with him. Isn't that our human temptation? You see it in the, the Tower of Babel in the book of Genesis as well. Really the root of most of our sin is thinking we don't need God. We don't need to pay attention to God, his directions. We don't need to think about what he wants. We can be at his level. And there are a lot of people who are bold enough to say today that we don't believe in God. The age of religion is dead. The age of philosophy is dead. All that matters is math and science. Listen, I don't, uh, I'm not opposed to math and science, to learning all that we can learn about the world, but I do know this. God made us to be spiritual. He made us where we have to understand our place in his organization, his creation. Our place is less than him. Jesus modeled that, didn't he? Jesus modeled humility. He, he said, if you want to be greatest in this kingdom, you need to be the least of all. If you want to, to be first, you need to be the servant of all. Pride is a great danger. It's a great temptation for all of us. And it often leads to a fall, to destruction. Stories told of two ducks and a frog who spent the spring and summer in this pond. They had a great time splashing and swimming and doing all kinds of things together. Well, as the fall came, it grew colder and the, the water in the pond try, started to dry up. And they thought, well, we're going to have to move. We're going to have to go someplace warmer. And so they figured out a plan. They, they would take a stick and each of the ducks would get on each side and hold uh, the end of the stick in their mouth. And the frog would grab onto the stick with his mouth, and they'd take off and fly the frog to a new pond, a better place to live. And so they take off, and yes, it's working perfectly. 
they're flying and the frogs just hanging out hanging on and they go over this farm the farmer and his wife are out working the farmer looks up and says wow look at that what a great idea what a what an ingenious idea i wonder who thought of that and the frog said i did and plummeted <laughs> to his death pride goes before a fall we give in to the temptation to promote and elevate ourselves. Bad things happen. We give it and want to, to have people serve us instead of learning the way of the kingdom is to serve others. You see, the very nature of Christ's kingdom was tested here. It would set the tone for the three years of public ministry that he had, and he passed the test. He succeeded in fighting off that temptation. Well, how do we fight temptation? How do we deal with temptation? It's a little more than the old episode of Hee Haw uh, said. Hee Haw is an old country show that often had nuggets of gospel truth in it. Uh, in one episode, uh, a man went to Doc Campbell. He said, Doc, uh, I'm, uh, my arm's hurting. Doc well, felt his arm, examined his arm, said, I think this is broken two places. He said, well, what can I do, Doc? He said, stay out of those places. It's a little uh, more complicated than that. <laughs> Takeaways about temptation. Let me give you some. First, you need to understand, you need to prepare yourself. It's not if, but when. Temptation is going to come to all of us. None of us are immune to temptation. None of us, none of us can avoid it. The Bible takes it for granted. Ephesians 6, 11, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That is, uh, Satan is plotting, he's tempted, plotting his temptations uh, for each one of us. Just like God can deal with us individually, so also does the tempter. And let me tell you, if you, grow, you start growing closer to God, if you start turning away from being selfish, and self-centered as you do more for God he's going to attack you more temptation will come even greater take your stand put on the full armor of God and stand against the devil's schemes Luke 4 13 gives us a little different understanding when the devil had finished all this tempting that is of Jesus he left him until an opportune time that is he saw that now it didn't work but he would come back he would come back when he was weaker. He would come back when he was more vulnerable. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. It would not be a wise idea if you were on a safari in Africa to go out in the middle of the night wandering around. Because lions prowl the savannas of Africa they hunt in a pride, and we are no match for them. Likewise, I think it's important for us to understand there are places we can go with our free will that we don't need to go. There are situations in our life that we can stay a part of that we really don't need to be there. There are even relationships in our life, maybe people in your family, maybe friends that you don't need to be around because death 
and destruction can happen. Here, it's important for us to understand we can control our environment, and we need to. Even then, we can't control that temptation will eventually come our way, and we need to put on the full armor of God to fight that temptation. We need to be alert and of sober mind. We need to realize the second takeaway temptation is this. It will come temptation when we are weakest. Temptation will come when we are weakest. You know, there are times in our life where things are going pretty good. We're perhaps spiritually strong. But then we can become complacent. Or even more, we can grow weak through disuse. And when the tough times do come, a medical challenge, a financial stress, then we're very open to temptation. We're very open to giving in. And all of us have our different weak spots. All of us have different temptations that worry us, different temptations that bother us. We need to realize that. We need to to understand those are areas of special reinforcement, areas in particular that we need to surrender to God. Maybe there is some truth. We need to stay out of those places. What is your weak spot? Maybe for some of you, it's your physical appearance. <laughs> read of a little boy who was downstairs at the breakfast table. And he usually was very cheerful and a morning person, happy. His name was Jack, four years old. Uh, one morning, his mom came down and Jack was at the table all sad and withdrawn. She's, now, he said, or she said to him, what, what's wrong, Jack? Something wrong? He said, your hair. And she had just that day before gone and had her long, straight hair permed. She'd had a permanent, and so it was curly. And she said, you notice. I love it. What do you think? You do, whispered Jack. Have you seen it? (laughs) We're weakest in different spots. Maybe for you, it's your reputation. Maybe... For you, it's the physical desires we've talked about. Maybe it is to look at things on the computer that you shouldn't. Maybe it is to take those shortcuts, cut those corners. Maybe it is spending, not managing your money like you should. A woman bought this extravagant, expensive dress, and the husband, when she got home, Ask her, why did you have to spend so much? Why did it have to be so extravagant? She said, the devil made me buy it. He said, well, why didn't you say, get behind me, Satan? And she said, I did. And he said, it looked as good in the back as it did in the front. So I bought it. Our temptation is to to make excuses. Our temptation is to cover up. The areas of our life where we're given into temptation. But friends, that does not work. The only thing that works is to understand this truth, this promise from God. First John 4, 4, you dear children are from God and have overcome them. That is, you've overcome the evil spirits in this world. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. How did Jesus overcome his temptation? By resorting to, 
by depending on his relationship with God. By submitting to God, he was able to have the victory over these temptations. Likewise, as Jesus came and had his ministry, as he becomes our Savior, our Lord, that we so also have within us one who is greater than the devil, the one who is in the world. We have within us the capacity to resist temptation. It's by surrendering ourselves, submitting ourselves to him, by giving him first place. Also, the way we counter temptation is the same way Jesus did. Scripture is a great antidote. Understanding the words of God, repeating the words of God, trusting the words of God is a great antidote. You know what an antidote is? It is a substance, an agent that counteracts poison. Our temptations, if followed through, they lead to sin, which is a poison which wreaks havoc in our lives. The antidote is understanding Scripture repeating scripture trusting in the truths and the promises of scripture let me give you some of those psalm 119 11 i've hidden your word in my heart that i might not sin against you that is if i know if i accept your word i trust your word i might not give in to temptation and sin against you james 4 7 says submit yourselves then to god resist the devil and he will flee from you was The devil successful in tempting Jesus? No. Because Jesus quoted the words of Scripture, he resisted the devil, and the devil fled. So also, every day is a battle for you. As I said, sometimes temptation is greater than others, but every day, every day is a battle. Will you submit? Will you give God first place, or, or will you be selfish? Or maybe not think about it and kind of, do what you want. Submit yourselves to God. And the devil will flee. Finally, Ephesians 6, 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, and the, which is the word of God. God has given you the capacity to overcome, the capacity to have victory in your life. <clears throat> the people of East Africa, the Zulu tribe, they figured out something important. You see, ring-tailed monkeys are very prized by zoos around the world. They're kind of hard to find, and they're kind of difficult to catch. But the Zulu trappers have figured out how to catch these prized monkeys. You see, the ring-tailed monkeys, they prefer a, a certain melon, and even more of the seeds in that melon are a delicacy to them. The Zulus figure that out. And so they'll take a melon and put it out, and they'll carve a little hole in it, or carve a hole just wide enough for a monkey to be able to stick his hand in. A monkey sticks his hand in to get some melons. He can't resist that, so the, the aroma and these things that are so tasty to him. He grabs a handful of seeds and tries to pull them out. But now his, his fist is a lot bigger than it was going in because he's got the seeds. And all the monkey would have to do would be to let go of the seeds to get his hand back out. But no, he beats on the melon. He screeches and screams, sometimes for hours, until the trapper comes back with him still with his hand full of seeds that he won't let go of and puts him in a cage and takes him to be sold into a zoo. 
I wonder today, there's something that you won't let go of that's keeping you from the full blessings of God in your life, that's keeping you from being as close to God as you want to be? Is there something you need to let go of? Temptation that you've given into that's now sin in your life? Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free. But it is when we surrender that he can open the door. It's when we surrender all that he can do his great work in our lives. Fathers, we think about these things, maybe words we didn't want to hear today, but words we need to hear. Pray that we're thinking about areas perhaps in which we've been tempted and, and we need to be stronger. I also pray we're thinking about areas in which perhaps we've given in. I pray today we would confess those sins to you. You tell us if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us. This same Jesus who was tempted is our Savior and greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We can have victory if we'll fight temptation your way. If we'll confess our sins, you can set us captives free. I pray today we'll respond as you're teaching, as you're moving in us. We'll draw closer to you, and you tell us in the book of James you'll draw close to us. I pray we do just that in Jesus' name. Amen. It's ministry time. It's the decision time. Maybe a public decision to become a Christian. Maybe to join us formally here at Northside. We'd love to help you with that. But it's a decision time wherever we are. What's the Spirit of God trying to teach us, convict us of? What does God want us to do in response to his word? As we think about the temptation of Jesus, as we think about our temptations, how does God want us to respond, to change, to grow? Let's stand together. If you have a decision, please come.